no, that's okay. <laughs> you just you just keep recording and, and we got it. Mm-hmm. So I I had a local guy post on um post on Craigslist that he wanted to sell his collection. And so I'm I'm like, okay, uh what what do you want for it and how much do you want me to great my dog ate one of the chicken breasts that got left out well he's very happy isn't he it fits right in with the puppy power yep um so holy crap all right i'm I'm, i may have to buy a guy's cradle (laughs) i got a i got a local guy that wants one all right so (coughs) wow so the guy posted this he says i've i've got the whole thing set up um you know i this is what i have and i so i i got the list and (laughs) (laughs) take that coda take that (laughs) (laughs) sorry Uh, for anybody listening to the, uh, if we're recording this right now, Charlie is running these these snap. Holy, somebody, yes! Somebody got it for five hundred. Oh, that better have been me. <laughs> no, it was it was green. No, damn it! Yeah. Okay, sorry. We're having fun. Right. Hundred dollar <laughs> card last week. Come on. <laughs> So the the guy posted uh, that he was selling his collection, and so I I did the logical thing. <laughs> Good job, Wit. Good job. Uh, so the guy posted it. He says, uh, "I've I've got this collection. It's worth about three thousand dollars on on buy list. Um, you know, I'd like I'd like three grand for it." And so I I sent the entire list over to. Uh, over to Chris and mm-hmm. he did his magic in less than, well, he did it in six minutes and apologized for it taking more than five. And I, I found it absolutely hilarious. And so I, I tally it up and I look at it and he's got what? 30,000 cards on his list that he had listed. And I, I just, I was scratching my head and I'm like, you've got 30,000 cards listed on this list and you want to sell them all fine i've got no problem taking thirty thousand cards and processing them but you have to know that if it's under two bucks i consider it bulk and i'm not going to pay for bulk especially if i'm doing something this fantastic and so i tally it up and it's about two thousand dollars is what we is what we figured for the whole collection everything over two bucks was twelve hundred dollars and i'm like this is unbelievable. It was it was somewhere in the neighborhood of, of uh, you know, 150 cards. You know that was that was over two dollars, and so I I just I, I looked at it and I said, all right. Um, I told him my explanation. I told him my reasonings, and I said, listen, this is this is what I can do if I have to process it. Uh, this is what I have to do to in order for me to make money on this. And it's going to take me hours and hours to to work through this. Um, so what I'd like to do is I'd I'd like to offer you a thousand dollars on the on the entire uh, on the entire set. And he just fires back, "I'm not giving you a thousand dollars for free because you say it's bulk." Um, and I know what my cards are worth. I can get the I can get twenty nine hundred today at Card Kingdom. I just uploaded it right now, and they said they would give me twenty nine hundred for it. And I'm sitting here going, "If you can get twenty nine hundred, please go get twenty nine hundred dollars for it. Don't right. post it on here for people to make you offers because nobody's going to come close to what you think you can get at Card Kingdom. And shipping thirty thousand cards to Card Kingdom is going to be so expensive." Yeah, especially with the delays that are happening, and risk very riskful. Hmm. 
boy. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, this is the thing when when people. I mean, I, I I've never done a collection, but I mean, having heard just the stories of it, when you you've got to know the the value of your collection before you offer to sell it to somebody, and then you've also you have to understand that when <laughs> when it's sold or, or when you're trying to sell it, you're not going to get even buy list if you're trying to sell a collection. So now if you look up your cards on a buy list and you see that's what they're worth and now you want to sell it to somebody around you immediately for money, they're not going to do that. It, it just doesn't make sense because they need to make money too. Nobody's going to offer you flat buy rate rates. So, you, I mean, if you want cash now, you, you are essentially, and I think this is a decent metaphor, you're going to the pawn shop. You need cash now and that's fine. That happens for people. And if it's the case, look, you have cash now, but the, it comes with the cost of time. So you, you've got to understand that. And I feel like when somebody acts that irrationally, it's it just, it, they, they're, they're not prepared to sell it and they don't really need to sell it now. And they're not really sure what they're doing. So honestly, I think everyone's time was saved in a longer run. Yeah. Especially because I didn't even make a, make an effort to, um, to go and see the collection. I even specified, Hey, um, you know, I can start at about a thousand dollars depending on condition sight unseen. This is my, this is my bottom basement offer that I can I can send to you, and he came he fired back and just laughed at me. I knew I'd get lowball offers, but this is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, no, this is not ridiculous. This is reality, and if you can get if you can get that, please go and get that money. Do the work. Oh my goodness! I if I get this Mishra's workshop, this is gonna be. <laughs> I like how we're all just low-key bidding on Charlie's stuff in the background <laughs> as it comes out. I, I don't even know if admins are allowed, but if they are, I want, like, oh my goodness. I was so <laughs> upset when he, like, because we were, we were having a call before this, and we did not realize, and by we, I mean the admins, that he was running this at the same time, and he sold the Cabal coffers for $40. So come on, man. Ah, good for him. I'm, I'm just jealous. Congrats to whoever won it. I gotta get in these. Get my head in the game. I, I, I know this would happen, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a really great idea to have this go at the same time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, I gotta, I gotta ignore this. I gotta focus on actually what I'm doing in life, even though you know, apparently Charlie can do that. It, it's outside my wheelhouse. Yeah. Well, I don't hear Charlie's voice at all right now, so he's focusing on one thing, obviously. Well, he's, <laughs> he's typing a price up right now, and I'm hoping it's somewhere under $800, but we'll see. Oh, that we'll thing, see. that's going to be 600 You think so? Yeah, get your, get your, uh, it's a, da it's very badly damaged. That thing is nasty. Whoa, that's a bit yeah. higher than I thought. Wow. <laughs> I thought Charlie's generous. <laughs> mind, take that Only mind. for coffers and cradles, not not for workshops, man. Apparently. Different piece of real estate. Yeah. Ugh. No, I don't blame him. I got a couple of workshops myself, and I'm not letting those babies go for anything. Yeah. So what were we talking about again? I'll, I'll so I think in on whatever the topic is. Yeah, I think we're going to be talking about uh, double masters release delays here. Well, I, I think that's the important thing is we've got a lot of cards that are going out um, that is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, we have, we've had a number of delays. We have a number of things that are going on in the, in the world today as far as cards go. And the interesting thing to me is that the whole thing is just absolutely ridiculous with how cards are getting to different parts in the world. And it's actually delaying things all over the world right now um, between the U.S. postal system, between, uh, you know, uh, cards going to Europe, between cards staying here in the U.S. All of these different things are are actually really, really difficult. And what we're noticing is, is that people are starting to buy from Europe before the cards even get there. <laughs> so... Here's my question to you guys: When, when are we supposed to be buying these double masters cards, and and why the reason behind it? I I have a very unorthodox view of this. I don't think a lot of people will agree with me. I'm but excited. I'm going to say it anyways. 
buying them at about six months from now. I think that's going to be a low. I agree. I don't think that uh, I don't think that you need to try to target the next week or last week or two weeks from now. Like when is the perfect time to jump in? I think you got to let these settle and let the hype move on to something else. Like they're they're not going to just shoot up and keep climbing for the next twenty years indefinitely. You know, yes, you may they may not go down very much. Um, I could be wrong. It could be better to buy them today than in six months. But I don't think that the the loss, I guess the the premium you pay six months from now is going to be drastically what over, higher than what you're going to pay today if it does go up. And I think there is a good chance that it just it kind of all goes down too. But that's that's not to say that there won't be a few outliers. There will be cards that everyone will look back in six months and go, "I wish I'd bought those in August." Like those are so valuable now, and they were so cheap yeah. back then. But by and large, you know, if you're not, if you don't feel that you're super, uh, you don't feel that you've got this, this, this ability beyond the rest of the market to pick out the one or two winners in the crowd, I would just wait. If you're looking to, I, I got a bunch of money to put into double masters. I know it's going to be a long-term success. I think you have plenty of time to wait to put your money in. Um, I do think that six months from now, the prices will be lower than six years from now and i know a lot of people don't want to think about six years from now but that's that's how you kind of gotta have to look at these these investments as you know long term if you want to figure out how to really make your money work for you you can get the quick flip you can try to try to churn roi constantly um, it gets hard real fast (laughs) yeah it's really hard it's really hard it's really time consuming and then you know bad pick and it wipes out all your gains you know like I don't know. It's the day trader life of MTG finance. There's got to be somebody here that'll take the take the contrary view to mine that there's there's a time and place to buy cards. I mean, and it's not six Wizard, months from now. Wizard has shown that uh, he they don't care when they reprint stuff. So a bunch of of the double master stuff could be reprinted in Commander's Legend for all we know. And or even if, another wave of double masters when that comes out, like or in a secret layer, or yeah. in a secret layer. Like if you spec on on the lightning grease, now it's dead again. <laughs> yeah, but lightning grease, lightning grease. I, I think the reason why they included it, and there are so many versions of lightning grease. But for anybody who, uh, and I might be speaking out of my ass here, and anybody put in the band chat if I am, but. Lightning Greaves is a card, especially for like power sellers. It's always going to sell. Like that is a card that anybody who builds an EDH deck, like that's always going in the 99. So I think to some degree, um, they put it in there just thinking that this will really help pad the, the value, if not in actual dollar amount, at least in terms of churn. Um, and I, then honestly, it's got a Corgi in it. I probably want one of those. I'm not going to lie. Um, so yeah. Lightning Greaves is a card. They could. It's like Soul Ring, honestly. I think they could print it into the ground just like they've done Soul Ring, and it, 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 it they kind of have already, and it's still like a three, four, five dollar card. Yeah, and and the the big point there is to try to get in at the best bulk price, mm-hmm. the best brick price. You know, like you're not looking to try to find the lowest two dollar Soul Ring and buy one copy and wait for it to go to $5 and be like, I've made $3. Woohoo. Like what you want is hundred copies at two bucks. You want, you know, 50 copies of lightning greaves at a dollar 76 or something, something that yeah. you're like, I will be totally happy if this doubles in price in the next 12 months, because I bought so many, it means my $100 yeah. turned into $200. I think there's a really key fundamental basic lesson in MTG finance there that you, you, you won't hear widely spoken. Uh, but that's, I think that's how you consistently make, make money doing this, especially, and I would say this, if you're going for like near term churn, if you buy one card at $20 after fees, after shipping, after hold time for me to make money on that, to, to credibly make money on it, like I would say like more than like five to $6. I mean, it has to essentially go up to probably, eh, probably like 35, 40. And that's almost like a 100% gain on that card for me to make money on it. Versus if you fly low to the ground on these low, low costed cards, sub $5, uh, but you, you get a lot of them, 
it really adds up. And honestly, when you stay that low to the ground, the wireless support is usually a lot safer. And I think that's a, a much smarter way to do MTG Finance. It's just not as sexy as like calling out a really expensive spec or a really cool addition. Uh, but I, I do really think that, that that's like a really key lesson. If you, if you start churning cardboard for a hobby here, um, it's definitely something that you should pay attention to. Yeah, and I, I agree that the exception to my six months from now rule is, you know, pick out the really good playable cheap cards right now and just buy a few bricks of each of them. You know, get a bunch of Urza's Mine Tower power plants if you don't have that. Get a bunch of Oubliettes if you can find a good entry, like a good low price on them, you know, for a whole bunch. Buy yeah. whatever else that comes out, you know, Path to Exile and other cards that just are naturally suppressed by the quantity available, but over time will continue to tick up a few cents every month. And before you know it, that card that you bought 50 copies at two bucks is now four bucks and you can send it to a buy list for 350 and be happy well, with it. Historically, people have talked about like reprints on cards being like a nail in a coffin. But what I'm beginning to, to really appreciate are the cards that it doesn't matter how many times they reprint them. They hold a certain dollar value, whether that's from perception in the market or demand. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't understand the underlying reason. But those are the cards that, like, you know, because they become predictable. And because they're predictable, but they're not flashy, for some reason, the, the finance community, by and large, ignores them, uh, at least from the amateur level, um, which I understand, but I think is just fundamentally wrong. Um, it, there's just a lot of money to be made there. It's just like, it doesn't matter how many times they reprint Swords to, to Plowshares or, or uh, Path to Exile, like, those cards are going to retain a certain dollar value so when they come out and everyone's pulling them out of draft and just shipping them off kind of just to fill out a buy list order they don't really care what it is those are cards that just it just it's a consistency loop and in in any way, market yeah yeah go ahead i was gonna say i think you'd agree with this statement that cards that are under ten dollars behave totally differently than mm -hmm. cards that are over ten dollars oh yeah very people very very true people don't pull out their three dollar cards from their decks to try to sell them people don't look through their 50 cent one dollar two dollar you know standard staples or or commander staples that they use in every deck they they care about that 10 15 20 card they're like oh I have a copy of this X $30 card or $50 card and they value it and they sell it and they trade it and they highly prize it. But a card under 10 bucks, they don't really care. They don't yeah. care if it, you know, especially you'll see that in TCG direct. You'll see all the time people willing to buy a card for seven, eight bucks. That's like a dollar or $2 low on TCG, but they don't really care. They're like, I just want it quick. I want a good copy. I don't want to deal with, with a random mm -hmm. seller, you know, like I don't care that it costs me three, four, five times as much. It's still just a five, six, seven dollar card, whatever, you know? Yeah. And that's and for, no yeah. it's it's hard to find that same behavior with the high value cards. Like, you know, you'll find someone willing to pay 190 for a card that's 150 low once in a while, but most people will choose the $150 card over the same copy that's 190 from direct just because they're like, that's 40 bucks. That's a significant amount of money I'm losing. Yeah, but, I, I think ahead. the education of the buyer kind of goes in hand with the, the amount that they're buying, not always, but just in general is like a heuristic rule. Um, but in terms of like double masters and it, it's release delay and, and just to that topic, the reason why I agree with you, uh, Jim, is that uh, we saw the, this huge buyout, like uh, I think it was 10 days ago now. So not this last weekend, but I think the weekend before on like double, double masters cards and literally within a week not only did supply levels recover they rose above what they were before so obviously we're in like a release period where everyone's opening them but the fact that um basically the market was able to be i'm not going to say manipulated but moved that quickly and that strongly shows me that a lot of people a lot of people put a lot of money into betting that this set will do well and the last time I saw that was Modern Horizons. So for me, when I see that kind of behavior, that's the first thing that my mind went to compare it to. And I'm thinking they're going to be holding on to this stuff for a long time. Now, the, the rare stuff they might be able to get out of because it is rare. There's lower supply. But just in general, the fact the market rebounded so quickly and so forcefully, um, 
I don't want to be anywhere near it simply because I know that my competitor field, if I were to buy in and then go to sell, it's going to be so crowded. I don't want to be, I just don't want to be in that race right now. So I'm, I'm going to wait a little while before I even buy in. Totally agree. You know, and, and I think that's one of the things that, that we have to balance is, is what do we need right now personally and how do we navigate this whole financial system of speculating? Because things are going to be fluctuating in prices from, from now until the end of time. And it's just finding those best times and those best prices to be able to buy in at. And thinking about it, we're going to have an initial wave here in the, in, in the EU, maybe by the end of the year. But um, we don't know exactly when card prices are going to settle on double XM. Um, and thinking about it in six months is probably a good idea. I, I stopped in at my, my, one of my LGSs uh, this this morning after a client canceled and had to send a fax, so he politely sent a fax for me. I bought a couple of cards, and I talked with him about the things that he was able to get and the things he wasn't able to get. And he was very frustrated that there was a lot of things he just couldn't get his hands on, like double XM. Mm. Uh, he's, he's trying to pre-order it, and they, he can't get it. And I, I just found that really interesting to me. But at the same time, we, we have things being released by Wizards uh, on their website. That is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, we're talking about puppy power today. And I want to know, how do, we, how do we even get to puppy power? It, it seems like everybody's going nuts over these doggo-styled cards. I'm not a dog person. I'll let Chris <laughs> Say, I wanted to make sure somebody else went ahead of me before I before I spoke because, uh, first of all, they chose a pug over a dachshund. It's gonna, I'm gonna need extensive counseling, but I will get over it. Oh my lord! If you if you're gonna pick a weird dog, come on, dachshunds. Um, but in any case, the the cards themselves, um, the cards themselves are fine. I mean, I think they're really cute. I myself, I'm totally gonna be getting a playset of the Rest in Peace solely for the flavor text. If you guys didn't notice. Go back and read the flavor text on those cards. They are gold. Um, but, I mean, it's definitely it's appealing to an audience, much like the, I think they're, I don't think they had the time to go back and learn from it. I think they kind of had this in their initial strategy, but they're identifying consumers with with external tribal themes, I think. I mean, we had the cats before. We, we, we have overarching themes that uh, Watsi is, is kind of realizing, and they can take a handful of cards and really push a theme and sell and sell that theme very briefly and very short, kind of like the auction that we saw Charlie just do in um, the peer-to-peer. In that, if you want to get in, if you appreciate this theme, now is your chance. If you don't get in, well, you had your chance. And that that kind of demand, that sales technique, uh, while I, I might have other issues with it, I think it really works, and I think it's really clever, and it also allows. Uh, Watsi as a company to appeal to a very, very, very wide audience, like deep cuts almost every few months. So if you're interested, you can buy it. If you're not, no worries. And because of the way they have it structured too, they kind of accounted for this wherein they, they printed an initial segment and then they let their audience, their consumer base really vote with their wallets which, against how much they liked it or not, which I think is, is a really clever way of, of marketing your cards, even though they're the same cards, it's literally just different artwork. I think it's a really clever way for them to do it. Uh, and I do have to say, there's a lot of respect to be given there, I think. Um, in terms of the amount of secret layers and, and the, the rate at which they're doing them, the I, f I feel like if you'd asked me a year ago if they did it like every month or every other month with a new product, I would have said that's way too much. There's no way, you know, wallet fatigue, um, but I mean, they're still doing them. It's still going strong for them. And I mean, they're still doing quite well. So um, the, the dog power one, along with the other ones, I think as long as they continue to sell at this rate and in this quantity, um, they're not going to stop. And if anything, I think they're just going to ramp it up. And I, I honestly don't think it's a bad thing because, I mean, for me, I, I've watched a lot of these secret layers and I've been like, eh, eh, eh. Like the gods one I invested in because I was like, this is just sheer money. 
but like this this one that just came out, the dogs one, uh, Jim passed it over to me for a reason. I'm like, I, I have to have it. it. It's dogs on a magic card, dude. I love my dogs. I have to have at least one of these, and I'm going to make damn well sure I do. So um, I, that's just, I think, effective marketing at a certain level. I don't know. What do you think, I, Coda? Uh, I have the exact opposite to you. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Like, that's good. This is very, very manipulating and like, uh, a bit, a bit lazy way to make money. Like it's no doubt that the. the oh yeah, it's super is, lazy. <laughs> it's it's the best one of the best product in terms of revenue because it's the, the least amount of effort for the highest amount of, of money, and it's mm-hmm. not like a, I'm jealous of uh, of wizards for doing something like this. Uh, I think just that it it tra- translates uh, the collectible aspect of magic into something that you can just uh, swipe your credit card and yeah satisfy. Yeah your 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 necessities like it's not like a financial uh, problem i have with but it's more like what is the, the goal of the game becoming over long it affects long the future yeah. yeah yeah we talked about this when you came on collect and track and i totally agree with you it it does definitely you can you can see that their goal now is definitely more immediate versus what it, I think it used to be which was more laying groundwork which i it, i do think is cause for some concern yeah, and and I find it a bit disrespectful that all this art experimentation, which is great and it's the the most beautiful, the best part of uh, circuit layers in general, is is mm-hmm. dedicated to a separate product instead of being able to find those type of art and, and experiment into the non- normal standard boosters or even the 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 master sets. Yeah. I I'm curious too because like you you talk about it too like the like I like the artwork I like that they do these crazy elements um and and something that I very recently and by recently I mean I learned yesterday it was like when I opened my first Pokemon packs for the first time the artworks were crazy and you pull this one that's like super cool and super weird and it's still in the pack like that's that's that to me was really cool that's really interesting and I'm I, I, I almost kind of wish that they would, and I am expecting a lot of pushback on this, but I'm curious, but would you be okay if they put like these same cards with this artwork in the set and treated them almost like uh, masterpieces? And it doesn't have to be that rare, but just like they're in the packs that you get with the set spread out at a, like a certain random ratio. Um, would would that be better for you like in, in terms of the collectability? I, I believe so. Like I feel like that the, the masterpiece has a, a bit of too high uh, rarity on, on it. I think the the best balance was with the with a, a box stopper that was the ultimate master style. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But but yeah, like like for example, you could do like an extended art uh, version for the box stopper and use the same art but in a normal frame in the packs normally. Like that would be great, and I feel like it would also be like uh, reminiscent of uh, how the early early art was was made. Like there was. Can we can we mention Kylan Kaya for your how the <laughs> art was, and yeah. they, they allowed him they allowed them to make very experimental art and those are one of the most uh, memorable cards uh, that that are available, and so it's it's a bit depriving the new generation of magic uh, to that experimentation unless you you can uh, wallet up and pay for the secret layer. Yeah, it, it makes me really curious, and I, I don't think anybody has an answer for this question uh, outside of Watsi themselves. But I was, I'd be so curious to see, like, in selling secret layers, do they really make that much more money than they otherwise would if they just incorporated it into a set to try and drive overall sales for the set? Now, to be honest with you, I wouldn't be surprised in the least if they came back and said, "Yes, secret layers generate a lot more because it's a very targeted. You know what you're getting." And they're able to charge a large amount, but yeah, I, I do agree with you that it, it does it does definitely indicate a change in the direction of the game, which um, is kind of a, a little offsetting. You know, I, I have to admit though, we've had this discussion over the past couple of years, uh, both in the chat and person to person, that that Wizards of the, of the Coast is moving towards a a a card driven meaning chase card driven mentality similar to what happened in the 90s with baseball cards that that to me seems a, a little bit different than what wizards of the coast is doing 
Uh, baseball cards in the 90s, I know not a lot of you were there, but you could get them at your grocery store for $1.99 a pack, and kids were grabbing them off of the shelf at the grocery store for $1.99 a pack, and they were raising enough money so that they could continuously buy packs after packs after packs. I bought a 1987 Fleer complete set for $29 at the grocery store, and yes, it was at the grocery store. And I took it home, and I opened it up, and I looked at all the cards, and it it was it was unbelievable but wizards is doing something very different they aren't putting them in packs right now but rather they're allowing people to to really choose what they like and purchase those specifically which i think is is a smarter idea than driving down the price of their everyday packs that well what happened right now sorry I, i what i would find so cool and interesting is if Watsi actually took this like this demographic data of learning what their sellers are interested in, like this artwork or or like a theme like the gods and the constellation or like customers really like dogs and they actually built like new planes based off of off of that. I know and that might be really that that could be really cheesy in some instances, but I think it would be a really cool way to see like this is what your consumer base is really they really like and this is what they're interested in. And they've shown you that in a targeted sale they'd be willing to go for it. Now, what about for overarching set? Now, you would obviously have to make alterations, but I think that could be really cool. Now, I think the set, the, the themes and the things that they've been doing lately appeal much more to, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it, but much more modern era, like in realistic styles. But I think that could be a really cool use of secret layers if they, if they actually chose to go that avenue, or that avenue, sorry. I think that would be a, a pretty cool thing to to watch Wizards of the Coast do is develop worlds around the things that people like. Speaking of which, why why haven't we had a Minotaur secret layer yet? I am absolutely baffled by this. <laughs> what about bears? Give me bears. bears. Yeah. Oh my God, my editor errors are wolves. Wolves. Dude, ah oh, man, wolves. Dude, <laughs> dude, give me dogs. I would love dogs. I would love a set. The cats I wouldn't touch, but dogs. Come on, man. That's not true. I would buy cats too. I'm not even. I'm not even gonna lie. Why am I lying? I am. I am feeling the darts from the chat right now. Nobody likes minotaurs except for me. What? What are people <laughs> thinking? Uh, it's oh, you love minotaurs. I've got a box of homelands to sell you. Oh my mm. goodness! Really? Hmm. No, I'm. I'm just kidding. You know, I. I love minotaurs because of the strength and also calmness that they exhibit. They remind me of a really good offensive lineman, which is what I was in high school. And it just kind of connected with me on an emotional level that that no other really uh, tribe has done. And yes, yes, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's win. <laughs> oh, Code, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. One of the things that uh, I I think we need to talk about is that this year has been unprecedented in in the pricing of cards, especially those cards that are going into rotation. Have we actually started seeing a drop off in prices for the cards that are rotating? Um, so I believe when does the uh, somebody please help me here, uh, whether you're in chat uh, or otherwise, when does the next standard set come out? I just want to make sure my time frames are correct when I when I describe this. Yeah. So next month. Yeah. October 1st. Yeah. So, yes, I have begun to see in the last month that the prices on the sets that are rotating out, which I think, um, again, sorry, um, I think it's like the Ravnica sets um, and I think War of the Spark. War of the Spark, not so much, because I think War of the Spark has a lot of other things going for it. And it, I'm not going to be ambiguous about it. It's it's the Japanese versions and the fact that it was a Planeswalker-based set. That set is is long-term freaking gold. I, I If you have it sealed, hold on to it. Um, but the other two sets, yes, we've definitely been seeing that the, the quantities, if not the prices, um, so the quantities have been increasing on the market, even if the price hasn't begun to go down yet at this point in time. I, I do think it's inevitable because we have definitely begun to see people listing more and more of them. And um, I think the clear indication, at least on my end, is that buy list offers, at least from Card Kingdom, have begun to to consistently go lower and lower on 
the vast majority of these cards there are a couple of exceptions uh that i might mention um but by and large yeah the 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 price of these cards have begun to decline i was gonna say i don't have the data in front of me but i think a good bellwether would be hydroid crisis and i think it's at its current all-time lowest price oh, ever yeah it is i um so things are ticking down. It hasn't fallen off a cliff yet, but it's obviously not in demand. It's obviously on a downward trend. And I think yeah. it started months ago. I think we've seen this for the past few months. Okay. I just have not noticed cards slipping that much, but I guess it's because my focus is in, in, is in other areas. You know, there's so many things to, to try to keep up with with Magic Finance. And so noticing rotation cards that's it's not really something i pay attention to no i i love rotation because it's so it's such a consistent pattern it, like it really is you mm -hmm. you see three months before the next set is going to come you basically you see the people who play standard the the, the standard grinders um whether uh, uh, they have to know it because they do it so consistently if you're somebody who likes to play standard and you want to continue to play standard as soon as you know that standard is going to rotate within the next three months, you begin to sell off your deck and you begin to either um, transition it into credit so that you can buy the next new deck in standard, or what I assume you do is you, you buy into a deck that has, is mostly quote unquote standard legal moving forward from there. Um, so you begin to see this this movement basically three months before it happens. So anybody who talks about like rotation and prices plummeting at rotation, you're you're, you're just too late. The, the change already happened uh, because people are are not waiting for the actual date. They they see it coming too. So I, I find there to be just a nice consistency. And so this is also too for for new players entering the hobby in the game and especially the finance element. Um, this is why most people like to avoid standard cards because this rotation is so cyclical. But like what Jim mentioned earlier, you've got to think six years out. Uh, standard rotates every two years. That's a volatile market that moves, that churns, consists like constantly, 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 constantly. So it's such an active and ever-changing market. It, it's it, from a financial element. It really. It's in your interest to stay clear of it unless you are somebody who's really in the know. It's it's uh I mean if you if you like to dabble in standard cards, what you want to do is is estimate when the price is gonna be at its peak. And usually at its peak is when it begins its fall, right? And historically we've said, Oh, you know, standard cards start falling in price a month before rotation and two months before rotation and three months before rotation. Now, if you look at some of the biggest players, like I mentioned Hydrogen Crisis or let's say Nissa. Nissa is another good one that's really strong in standard. It's going to rotate. Nissa started falling in June. It was around 750 and now it's down to almost five bucks. And I think it'll continue a little bit further before people start going, oh, wait, Nissa is really good in EDH. Let's, let's pick her up now. But I was about to say Nissa is great in EDH. It keeps moving back. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm just saying like, in terms of a card that's very popular for standard mm -hmm. play and is the demand is highly is significantly uh, comes from standard not totally but significantly um mm -hmm. i think we're getting now to a point where june by august i mean it's four months before rotation now and i think the next one may be five months before rotation so it's really it keeps moving back because everybody wants to beat the curve everyone wants to sell their copies before the market crashes so i mean right now is not a bad time if you want to pick up cards that are going to rotate they could fall a little bit more um you know cards have been known to just crumble after they get after they get uh, out of standard suddenly um i'm scared now to even look up the price of something like arclight phoenix because don't do it don't trust me don't do it uh but i i i really think that this too is like as much as standard is like an on-ramp for players into playing the game, it really is an on-ramp for finance because when you go to sell your cards at the end of a standard rotation, like everything, <laughs> everything that you just said, I, I think it really applies. Like because you're going to realize, honestly, more often than not, you've lost a ton of money because you didn't know what you were doing. But oh if my you just, God. I'm sorry, I just have to butt in. <laughs> ArcLight Phoenix is a three-dollar card. 
Don't don't remind me. I bought <laughs> foils at forty, man. Don't don't remind me. Arclight Phoenix is the next Snapcaster Mage. Convince me I'm wrong. Uh, <laughs> I, um, yeah, I buy I buy listed mine, admittedly, before I, I before I've said this, but I submitted them at like a negative three hundred percent loss. Oh, Arclight. Anyway, I, I did not <laughs> lose on my Arclights, but I did. That's not good. Make anything either. That's really good. That's actually really good, though. I I was I almost, negative three hundred. Sorry, go ahead. No, I almost had. I I bought I bought ten arc lights at at like eighteen a piece, and then played four of them. Still have my four. I I think it's great in modern, but to, to be fair, it's be at three bucks right now. My it's goodness. a powerful card. If you can pick up. Hundred copies at two dollars a piece. That probably is a good two hundred dollars spent. Yeah, you know, and long term. But you know, <laughs> well, do we really want to get into the long term? <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as you announce it as long term and you say a specific time range in what you mean as long term, I'm okay with anybody calling it out. It's when you just say something is a good spec and you just leave it at that and you don't give any other further information because a good spec could be six years in the future. You really have to solidify. I don't know many people that do well at standard speculation. No. And, and I don't think there's a lot out there that feel it's it's their wheelhouse that they can beat the market and they're so great at it and they can consistently predict and churn and, and generate more value in the standard market than in yeah. the EDH or old school or modern even any of the but, other markets but standard really it, it really is like the on-ramp though it really is the on-ramp because somebody who invested thirteen hundred dollars and i'm just spitballing a number i don't know if that's actually how much a standard debt costs but i wouldn't be surprised unfortunately or say even if you invested like four or five hundred dollars if you put four or five hundred dollars into a deck and now you find out at, at rotation basically it's going to go down to being worth maybe fifty dollars in bulk you need to learn how to, you like you you know you really need to learn how to move your cards into the future i mean that's it's a it's an also an on ramp not only into the game but into finance and in learning the lessons of standard you can really learn some hard lessons that are better learned there than once you start sure. putting money into edh games from, from a player perspective from from the buyer perspective of cards the the amateur investor or the amateur speculator player type person that's great mm -hmm. but i think that the only people that can actually like if you want to make money in standard you need to do it on margins you need to be buying in demand yep. rares for three dollars and selling them for four dollars and you have to do that hundreds of times a every lot. Month, <laughs> yeah. you know you, there is no it, there is no good margin on standard cards there is a a high demand and a high supply so if you can if you can be the lowest price in the market, you'll sell hundreds of copies. But if you're if you're not okay with only accepting fifty cents a copy of profit, like it's not for you, you know. Yeah, like, that's why I don't sell any standard cards on TCG Direct because it's just the, the prices are so so close to the ground. There's so there's no benefit of a direct price over a TCG it, low on a standard. Brand. It is it is an advanced lesson, but you can also learn too the difference between global markets when you look at standard. Because look at the the uh, the Japanese market and the EU market for standard cards while it's in standard, and and I promise you, you're gonna learn you're gonna learn some things if you just monitor those price trends. Um, bit advanced. I don't expect anybody who plays standard to look at those markets, but if you're if you're somebody who's here and who's listening. Um, it's it, you you will discover some things i think i think one of the important things to remember is that standard is a is a brick and mortar game and the the brick and mortar stores are the ones that are going to try to get in standard cards for their players so that they can sell them to their players and for me as a judge i constantly see stores offering 40% of the cards value to people and then turning around and selling it at 90% of its value because people want to buy it in the store. They want to support their local store. The question is, is can people sell the cards that they're cracking right now? And are they willing to? And that's where you have to have a robust standard playing community to make the cards 
uh, accessible to people. And if a store doesn't have that, you aren't going to see that store long term be sustainable. And you're absolutely right. The people who want to buy standard cards in store are also the ones who want to play with them immediately. They want them for FNM and they want to be able to to wreck it FNM. They have this idea that they are uh, they are the people that are going to win and go on the pro tour and do well there. I I still think though that there are some standard rotating cards that have an impact on modern that we should be able to identify. Uh, modern is still a driving force, even if we care not to admit it, as well as EDH being the stronger driving force, but the EDH cards don't drop in price as much at rotation. Uh, I'm, I'm just saying that uh, as a actually, baseline. EDH is actually what keeps the cards like uh, Smothering Tide uh, and, and Shock Lens uh, afloat. Like we would expect them to drop because they're rotating out, but they they aren't. Yeah, I agree. Shockland, Smothering Tide should not drop. If it does, I'm buying it. But Shocklands, I could see a good 10, 20 percent drop once they rotate out. But well, I, that's just me. This is my my bias on Shocklands. I think all that we have to do is look back at at the last rotation of Shocklands. I don't think they dropped 10 or 20 percent. Um, I, I could be wrong, but when Return to Ravnica rotated, I think they held their price pretty well. And I think it was just a short-term thing, maybe a month or two, where those prices may have dropped, but then they went right back up because everybody was excited for Modern in the spring uh, because it was Modern season on the Pro Tour and everybody wanted their shocks to play with. I, I could be wrong, though. I'm... I'm not the greatest expert on tracking prices like like some people are, but I, I try to pay attention to what's happening in the market. Um, well, I, I guess really we're we're coming to that point in the day where we have to talk about the hundred dollar question. We've we've seen sales, we've seen uh, a good discussion on Double XM, we've we've talked about puppy power, and and now we're talking about rotation. But even more so, where would you sink a hundred dollars today? Um, uh, Papa, do you have any suggestions for us? <laughs> uh, I never have good ideas for where to put a hundred bucks. I can tell you where I put my last hundred bucks. That helps. I bought I bought a uh, a couple of Mox diamonds. They were they were much more expensive than a hundred bucks, but that was my my last purchase where I decided to sink money. Um, I considered buying. Uh, some of the Yavimaya hollows, but I couldn't find any for less than I think around fifty dollars, and I thought fifty dollars is a little too much. Like I would buy Yavimaya hollows at thirty to forty probably today, but fifty seems like you've already baked in the hype there. Um, I know that I know that other people value them at eighty to hundred now, but I just don't think fifty is a great price on them um, personally. But if you're my head like gun to my head where am i gonna buy 100 bucks like buy anything reserved list at a good price that hasn't hasn't spiked yet um you know i i bought a concordant crossroads and english legends concordant crossroads for 80 bucks from from miniature market uh last week and i had an immediate flip to card kingdom for 120 bucks and I actually felt bad that I was making the $40 profit off that because I kind of wanted to keep that card because it's near and dear to my heart. Um, but it, it's not reserved list. It's, it's quasi reserved list. But anyways, <laughs> I'm, I'm going off on a tangent. Put your hundred bucks into a reserved list card that has not yet taken off. I love you for saying that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had a friend yesterday ask me, he was looking into, to, and he, he's in the discord too, but um, he was asking me, he was like, relatively new for finance he was like do i buy all this double xm stuff what, what, what do i do and i was like don't buy double xm look at the reserve list stuff right now for better or worse it's what the value is mark or it's what the market is valuing right now so if you can find a good deal on that and then resell it that's your best avenue so i i oh yes um in terms of like the, the actual hundred dollar question i love that violets are finally recovering because uh, believe it or not, I have a spreadsheet dedicated 
to determining a um, <laughs> a pick of the week. So um, finally, I've got results on that as like um, as as vendors begin to recover and sales begin to to come back together. Um, so one of the first ones that I, I really want to draw attention to, and this is one that I love, and this this is this is definitely I'm going to preface it right now. This is one that I can be biased to because I love Soren Markov. I love Tree of Perdition. I love cards that end a game in EDH. That is definitely when I play EDH, I'm going to put you in the goddamn Thunderdome. There is no life gain. The game has to end. So for me, I love when these cards show up on my list. Uh, but this one in particular is Master of Cruelties. Um, it is both the Dragon's Maze game, and I believe there's the uh, the um, uh, what what there's a special uh, uh, like um, sealed edition. I I apologize. The edition name is is escaping me. But this card is one that the market consistently undervalues there is constantly arbitrage on master of cruelties if you don't believe me please track it for two weeks and dm me if you don't see it um this is a card that constantly uh because it's from the edh crowd and i think it's solely from the edh crowd uh, the demand profile is relatively low uh, but what that means is that sellers will very oftentimes list their copies far too low um, and not only can you drop ship it, but it, if you just hold on to it for about a month or two, it's one of those ones that I buy 20 or 30 of when it pops up. And then uh, when the buy list raises to like a dollar or to a card, I, in between a dollar and two dollars, I'll just send them all in and I'll be very happy with paying for dinner for the night. But it, it's just a very consistent gainer for me. And it's one that's popped up on my list um, and one that I would definitely recommend folks uh, watching out for. Um, Another one, and I'm going to split this one, I'm going to cheat. This would be like my midterm pick if Bacon was here. So my short-term pick would be Master of Cruelties. That would be like a quick flip if you're, if you're paying attention to the market here and now. Uh, in a few weeks, I don't, like, I would totally expect that Bylas would, would give you an out on that. Uh, one that's more of a mid to long-term, I'm going to, I'm going to cheat on a little bit. And I'm going to give you a demon and an angel because I feel like that's very, that's very magic the gathering. Uh, for the Angels, I saw a lot of Angels uh, because I believe they missed a uh, – I think folks were really thinking that they might get a, a archetype in Jumpstart. Uh, and when they missed – I know Sigarda, I started selling at insane margins at direct levels. And, and just the Angels that missed reprints um, – uh, or <laughs> basically got the luxury of extended shelf life. And one of those is Aurelia, the war leader out of gate crash. Uh, this is one that the buy list at card kingdom has doubled on over the last month. Um, a little under doubled, but still it's just about there. And the fact that their confidence is so high and not only high, it's been consistently marching up the entire time uh, provides a little uh, interest to me. This is not a card that I see them, uh, really reprinting outside of like a secret layer or some other supplemental set. This isn't even a card that I really see them reprinting it in like EDH Masters because it's such a, uh, I would say a throwaway card. Uh, but uh, I think for Boros, Aurelia, the War Leader, uh, this is a card that you should definitely be be looking at in some capacity. Um, the other one would be, and this is the Demon, this would be Lord of the Void. Uh, this is another card that's just marching up uh, consistently. Um, I, I think this card does a, a really cool effect that a lot of people don't appreciate. Uh, but if you can land this and hit one person, it makes the game. But even outside of the play factor, just looking at the buy list and the pricing information, um, this is a card that when COVID hit, it went down really low and they're still recovering. And I think they've actually just reached where they were back in like late February. Uh, so this would be a card to pay attention to if you can still find somebody selling it for, um, Below market, I would I would be kind of interested in that. Uh, and finally, uh, if we're going to do a long-term pick, I would choose Doubling Season. And I would choose Doubling Season not from Double Masters. I would not choose the sexy version. I would choose literally the Modern Masters version because that is the version that Bylas are most bullish on. That is the old – I don't know. It's not the oldest version. Ravnica is the oldest version, but it's the oldest version that's showing up on my tracker. It's the it, it's just such a good EDH card. When uh, Jim was talking earlier, I really had to bite my tongue about the the cards that you think might be good out of Double Masters. Uh, I'm prepared to be roasted for this in six months, but I really think Doubling Season is one of those cards 
Um, this is just such a perennial EDH powerhouse. Uh, the price tag it commands and continues to command. Um, they printed it, uh, I think, in Battle Bond, and now they're printing it again in Double Masters, and this is still just such a, a powerful effect that uh, fits into so many different archetypes. Um, and the pricing information from the buy list to the market um, really holding my interest. Um, and I think it, because I, I'm reserving this to be my long-term spec because it has such a high entry point, but I really think that if we can get any kind of reprieve on uh, the reprints of doubling seasons, you can make a lot of money. And I really think even if they do continue to reprint it, this is a card that I think you could get out of buy list or even retail and still make a majority of your money back to really minimize loss. So it, it really makes it a very enticing place for me to be long-term. <laughs> I, I, I want to jump in. I want to follow that. I, I like mm -hmm. doubling season. I'm a big fan of it. I own a few copies. I've made some money on doubling season. Definitely. Um, I also think that it has a better chance than not of being reprinted again in the next yeah. six months. Like yep. commander master is the perfect place or commander green or whatever that, that new, you know, special green commander set is going to be, it has a great chance of being in there. Doubling season is one of those perennial, we can print it to the moon and people will yeah. still pay for it like cards. So I, I, I agree. It's great. Um, I'm just worried it's going to be reprinted again and the price is going to continue to, to go down to 30 maybe even $20. But, See, um, I, I, I totally agree, but that's what makes it like feel safe to me because if they reprint it, I know in the time that they make that announcement and the time that it actually gets printed, if you go to buy list or even retail sell it, you could probably at least cover your costs. So it, it's one of those ones, that's why I put it as the long term, that like I could totally see them reprinting. I totally agree. It's such a popular and it's such a high dollar value card that can really drive sales for something. They could totally do it, and it's not even unlikely. It's probably likely, but yeah. if they don't, you're I'm, in a good I'm, position. I'm actually considering buying some of those cool-looking box topper ones because I think yep. they're interesting. The dragon hatch. Yeah, yeah. I kind of just like them. I've got a judge foil one. I've got a Ravnica one, and maybe just get a set of them. I think they're pretty cool cards. So I'm not against that. Um, I just I'm not. It's good caution. I'd be yeah. wary of someone buying you know 10 copies at 60 bucks a piece right now like that's eh, not probably not the best move but yeah your your price point on entry becomes very important here i think coda is reverberating a little bit but do you, do you hear that that's nice mm -hmm. so coda how are you doing this evening do you have anything that you would suggest for purchases um i think it like these the, um, I would like to give a different cut since we went on on the singles. Like I believe that I would spend a hundred dollars on the set the boosters that are coming from Zendika Rising. I really, I, I really like, uh, I really like them as um, more for the for the gambler gambling aspect. Like I feel like that we we went we probably went over this uh, a couple of podcasts ago. But basically, like the first time Wizard does something, it's usually a home run, and like the the possibility of uh, the fact that each um, booster contains uh, one twenty five percent of possibility of getting to a, a list of cards that we don't know yet. Uh, that is a lure now, and if the list contains something interesting, it, it would be an actual a long term hold. Actually, probably not even long term. Like the, the prices are already creeping up on on TCG. So if if you find like close to distribution costs, like the, the, those boxes are very very interesting. That's very curious to me. I mean, <laughs> I like I'm really interested because um, something that I've learned from from Jim in our prior episodes is that you shouldn't pre-buy boxes of things so I'm, I'm very curious jim what do you what do you think of, of getting it on, on i missed i missed a little bit cut out what box was he what, were you talking about coda the set the set ah the set boosters yes i i agree yeah. these are great buys in advance um 
as long as you can get them for under probably 110. Okay, that's 110 the... and over 110 is probably not a great price because I think there's plenty under 100 right now. Like if you can buy it under 100, definitely, definitely get a few boxes. Um, if it's 110 is your best price you can find, get a couple. Um, I think they have a reasonable chance. I think it's bacon that's echoing actually. I think they have a reasonable chance of um, hitting 150 by the time the full list is revealed i think that's the, the gambler premium that everyone's going to go for and i'm not guaranteeing they'll reach that level i'm just saying they have a good chance of hitting 150 dollars a box uh just like jumpstart did just like mystery boosters did i think it's one of those products where you've got they're so different and they're so underprinted that the demand is going to be much much higher than the supply totally was bacon i see that he's muted now and there's no more echo um no it was actually it was coda i just muted him from a server oh, level okay. <laughs> nice. Nice. I, uh, he, he can be but yeah I i'm not trying to cut you out coda. he's correct and i, yeah, I stated yeah. this um in the discord already but my position on zendikar is 25 percent collector booster boxes which were almost guaranteed have the fetches and 75% set booster boxes, which won't have fetches, but are printed far, far, far less and will have a surprising amount of demand based on this chance that you can pull one of the 300 cards in this curated list. I think that's that's what's going to drive it. I, I could be terribly wrong, but I think that... Um, I think you can't do wrong buying a set booster box at 100 bucks. I think that's a great, great wow. buy. I, I, and are you thinking when you say you you can't go wrong? What what's your time frame on that? Is my very key question on that. So I think you have a reasonable chance, not a guaranteed chance, but you know somewhere between twenty five percent, thirty percent, or fifty yep. percent chance yeah, yeah. that you'll be able to flip it immediately for a few dollars in profit, like twenty thirty bucks. Sure. I think that long term, that booster boxes have an upside potentially of $200 in a couple of years from now. In um, a couple? Three years from now, I can see them okay. be $200 boxes, yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's in the car. Generally, they don't, they don't get up too high while they're still in standard. So yeah. wait a year after standard, they're out of standard, and then you'll see $200 boxes. Um, I think the fact that they're a brand new kind of product um, is really weighs heavily in their favor. They're, you know, they're they're focused more on the collector um, than they are on the the player, and they're not. Just the fact that they're not being overprinted like everything else in Zendikar is, you know. Um, I yeah. Think it, they're a sleeper. They're a sleeper favorite. You know what I mean? Like yeah. people don't expect a lot from them, and so they're not pricey right now. But I think people will realize the value inside them eventually. That's weird because I'm very nervous of, of Zendikar because when I started playing, everybody had such good memories of Zendikar, and then we got Battle for Zendikar, and I remember that as being one of the worst sets in memory. So it's, and this is me being completely emotional. When the data starts arriving, uh, I'll definitely change my tune for sure. But uh, yeah, it's interesting to hear uh, the yeah, the no, logic I, I behind feel it. You might- when I when I started getting heavily back into it, Return to Ravnica was a big set that kind of flopped, and I felt like when the Return to Return to Ravnica came out, I was like, "Oh, here we go, another crappy set." Yeah. So I understand that feeling, like, "Oh, this was the terrible set from my you know my earliest memories of being heavily invested in this." So just that, that yeah, sense. just I, to I age you. Set itself is great. I think the fact <laughs> that there's a there's a 300 card list where yeah. you basically have to buy oh what, 1200 boosters to get that full set you know which oh, divided shit, by yeah. 30 so that's 40 boxes you have to buy 40 boxes to get one of each of the cards in that list which that's is really clever enormous you know that's that's the same as i want i want i hadn't even thought know, of that i want to have eight copies of this basic land from jumpstart you know, for my EDH deck because I want all my lands to match, but they're mythic, mm-hmm. so I've got to mm-hmm. buy 40 boxes of Jumpstart mm-hmm. to get those eight lands I want. You know, so the, it's that same order of magnitude of just, yeah, it's there, but it's impossibly hard to find on the average scale. Like, 
Yeah. I don't know. Power of masks. Yeah. Uh, just for context, by the way, I entered the game on Return to Ravnica. That was my first set that actually got me into magic. I am a Theros guy, and I started at Theros. And I'm an Antiquities guy. I'm a foreign white border guy. <laughs> and by the way, what Papa said is exactly what I would say if I wasn't muted. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you, Kona. Uh, Bacon, do you have anything to add for us tonight? Uh, is there anything that you would like to mention? I that sounds like he's really sick. think he's really sick. <laughs> that is scary. That's like from right. the future, that voice. That is, that is from the future. Uh, we, are, we are running uh, close to an hour and a half right now. Um, no, I'm not going to edit it out. Wow, Bacon. That's fantastic. All right. Uh, one of the things I'd like to do is thank you all for joining us. We're going to open up the, the channel here in just a couple of minutes. If there's anything that you would like to uh, have added uh, in future discussions, please let us know. We are definitely interested in providing content that matters to you. And I try to come up with ideas every single week and I bounce it off of the folks that are here to bring up discussions. And sometimes they're handed to me and sometimes I just try to ask the questions that I'm concerned about. Uh, so what I would do is encourage you to definitely ask questions, uh, definitely become a part of our community by asking and answering questions yourselves and become an expert in your field. Uh, if you focus on something, please take the time to learn it. We know that uh, we can look to Papa to provide good information on, on Sealed. We, can, we know that we can look to Wolf to provide good data on where to buy and where to sell. We know that we can look to Bacon to ask those gut questions about what cards are happening and what cards are moving. And we know that we can trust Coda to always know where to find a good deal and where to turn it in. Uh, these are the types of things that we love to do and we want to definitely ask and answer those amazing questions that you have. Thank you so much for joining us, and I hope that you have a great evening. For me, I am 12 hours away from being able to eat, and I am very excited by that. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>